One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Nationwide, by your side, talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We've reached the end of yet another tumultuous week here in the Independent Republic and uh, we're still here. Uh, I'm not sure about the economy. I'm not sure about Rishi Sunak. I'm not sure about the Donald Trump situation. Uh, I'm not sure about an awful lot of things, including the ULEZ situation going on in London as well. Uh, But what I can tell you is that we've got three hours of absolutely scintillating news and views and opinions coming up. Richard Tice is here with us, uh, the uh, Sunday sermon man who's going to be here on Sunday, of course, uh, with much much to say. Uh, We're going to be talking about many things. The economy, what's going on with the Bank of England? What's going on in the banking sector generally? They seemingly have forgotten how to do banking. Uh, They're very good at telling you what words you can't use. Today they've come out and said uh, that we shouldn't be saying words like black market. We shouldn't be saying words like grandfathering. The NHS, meanwhile, is saying uh, you can't say male or female. I mean, what's going on out there? Meanwhile, we've got an economy where we haven't got any money. Uh, We've got a tax system which is ridiculously overburdened uh, with people paying too much tax. We've got Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, who's got a house in North Yorkshire, which Apparently nobody's bothering to watch while he's away. Greenpeace were all over the roof yesterday. I mean, anybody could have put anything into the into the house, planted anything down the chimney. It seems to me to be extraordinary uh, that this is where we find ourselves. Meanwhile, we've got, of course, uh, the, the Prince Harry and Meghan back on the front pages uh, of The Sun. Uh, they've been snubbed by the royal family, quite rightly, as well. Uh, we've got much more to talk about, uh, and we've got your views to take as well. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. We're going to be talking, uh, of course, later on to Di Davis, the former head of Royal Protection. Alex Salmon coming on, because uh, I'm joining him uh, up in Edinburgh this weekend. Uh, himself and uh, David Davis, alongside John Burko, and of course Mick Lynch, the man from the RMT, uh, is going to be debating me on the subject of whether public sector workers should be allowed to go on strike. We've got Sebastian Gorka coming on, uh, former Trump advisor in the White House, of course, and uh, we've got Hugh Andre with the Veterans Voice. So don't go anywhere. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let us get it on. And it's time to say a very good morning to Richard Tice. How are you? Um, well, I'm all right, given all, but that sort of torrent of, uh, yeah. of litany of woes. We're all still here. It's we OK. Are. We it's are still okay. fighting the good but fight. The, uh, it's a bit grey and gloomy, and I think that's sort of how many people, frankly, mm. feel. Yes. Uh, you're heading up to Scotland over the weekend. I'm there with Alex Hammond on Monday yes. evening. 
uh, it's in regaling be the joys of Brexit and why it's such a brilliant opportunity. I've got a funny feeling Alex may not agree with me. Yeah, no, I think he's quite in favour of uh, staying in the European Union. But then, you <laughs> he know, wants he, to rejoin. he wants to rejoin it. Yeah, well, more of that later. But I mean, the problem with going to Scotland, of course, is I was going to go on the train, uh, but I wasn't sure I could get a train there. So thanks to Mick Lynch, I'm flying. Uh, but I hear this morning as I'm coming into work that there's going to be high winds. So I'm not sure if I'm going to get there, you know, because no yeah. doubt the airline will say, well, oh, no, if, we can't fly. If you listen to Greenpeace, then you'll take a bicycle and you better set off straight after the well, show. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the trouble, isn't it? You can't get anywhere in this country because, you know, nothing actually works. Nothing does what it says on hey, the tin. Maybe take your own car. Uh, a combustion engine car Good where idea. you know that you can I have actually fill it petrol, up with fuel. I have fuel. got a petrol car. I could do that. Um, the only thing is, is I'm just going up for the night, so I don't really want to drive. No, I mean, absolutely. I could do, I mean, but it's a bit long to go all the way up there and all the way back again. Absolutely. Well, I'm I'm trying to rely on uh, on the train as well on Monday, so really? it'll be interesting whether or not either of us well, get Well, I mean, this, this, this week they've got a work to rule going on, so we've already had two people, I think, who were supposed to come into the studio this week who couldn't get here, um, because they don't. it's not so much that you know that there's not a train, so you make other arrangements. You get to the station and you don't know if there's a train. But and the it concept, might have been cancelled or it might not. The concept of work to rule is quite interesting. I mean, actually, what we just wanted to do is just to work, mm. frankly, whether you're working to rule or yeah. whether or not. Right. We just want it to work. Yes. We want it to rock up mm. broadly on time, rather like the Swiss trains. Yeah. You don't need a watch in Switzerland. No. Just follow the trains. Exactly They're right. always bang on time. Yeah. Well, in this country, it's literally now a lottery if you want to travel on the railways. You don't know whether there's going to be a train. If there is one, you don't know how late it's going to be. Uh, where it's going to stop. So you buy a ticket mm. and you've got more chance of frankly winning the lottery yeah. than you have of the train arriving on time. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> I mean, right. I was, absolutely on train, I was on a train once and it stopped and I said to the guy, what's happened? He said, oh, there's a, there's a train broken down in front of us. And I was like, well, isn't there another way you can go? I mean, this is the main line up and down the country. I said, is there not a way you can go around it? No, there's only one railway line down and one railway line up. I can't well, believe that that's true. Talking of lotteries, I yeah. mean, the uh, the governor of the Bank of England yesterday, I mean, yeah. you know, his understanding of the economy is frankly as close to a lottery. I mean, uh, Mr. Bailey, Andrew I, I, Bailey. It, I was, I knew he would do it, but it was so obviously mm. completely the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Here is a man who, who frankly started raising interest rates way too late. Yeah. He had basically two jobs to do. Mm. One was to control inflation. Uh, and he failed at that. Well, he said he couldn't, didn't he? I mean, he actually came out as the governor of the Bank of England and said, I can't control inflation. Well, well what are you doing there then? Well, <laughs> so that yeah. was his first job, which he's failed at. Right. And then his second job was to ensure stability in the financial markets, which he patently failed at mm. when Liz Truss was briefly prime minister. So right. uh, the two things that he's tasked with, he's completely failed. Look, the reality is we've got what they call cost push inflation mm. and uh, raising interest rates only affects those homeowners who've got a variable mortgage. Yeah. That's the reality. And small businesses who are trying to grow and invest uh, and, and, and uh, invest in, in new kit and new staff yeah. to grow the economy, if they need to borrow some money, that's going to cost them a lot yeah. more. The whole thing's just I mean, completely I was listening to Christina, Christina Jardine this morning on, I think she was on with James Max, uh, the Lib Dem MP for Edinburgh, funnily enough, and she was talking about, you know, people through no fault of their own are having to pay high mortgages. Well, it's not entirely true to say through no fault of their own. They did actually take out a mortgage. And while I have some sympathy for people whose mortgages are going up, unfortunately, that's what happens in a free market. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. the mortgage rate goes up, and if you can't afford it, then I'm afraid you have to sell the house. The, the point is, though, 
that uh, people expect competence yeah. from the people running our key institutions. Yeah, I've got some That's bad news point. for them. And, and regrettably, <laughs> uh, that assumption has turned out to be totally and utterly flawed. I mean, if you could if you could search for competency uh, in Whitehall, you'd be looking for a long time. You'd be looking for a very long time. Frankly, you have got more chance of finding a winning lottery ticket uh, at the you moment. Really, you really have. But the truth about what's going on is interesting, because we had a call yesterday from a guy who was in the banking sector in 2008, and he said to me that the LIBOR rates... Uh, which are the rates at which banks borrow money from each other, effectively, uh, are looking as if they're going in a very similar direction to what was happening in 2008. And he said to me that we are heading for a similar kind of banking Well, that's crash. why, and, and I gave a press conference yesterday when I said that the Office for Budget Responsibility is com- being completely, utterly complacent mm. in its forecast. It thinks that inflation for the next three years after this current year is going to drop to below 1%. Mm. It's never been below 1% for three consecutive years in living memory. So it thinks inflation is going to drop to that level. Um, In reality, I think it'll be somewhat more than that, which means higher spending. It means also you're going to have a much higher deficit, which means... The, the interest rates will have to oh, stay so higher for longer. Also, the keeps just putting its hand into some secret uh, vault and pulling more money out of it. Well, it's know. called the printing they're, machine, yeah, so just, it, it just, just prints given, more yeah, money. But they've just given um, the teachers a pay rise. You know, they've already given the nurses a pay rise. They haven't settled with the junior doctors yet, but I dare say they will. Um, but they've also given loads more money to Ukraine. They've given loads more money to uh, the welfare they're, they're, state they're, because they're, we've all got they're five doing, million. They're doing exactly the wrong thing. Yeah, they are. They are acting like socialists. Yeah. They are raising taxes. They're raising wasteful government spending. They need to do exactly the opposite. And only You've this got a slash week. spending, a wasteful spending, of which all of your listeners and mm. viewers will be aware of in all walks of life. So you've got to cut wasteful spending and you've got to cut consumer taxes. That brings inflation down. And then you've got to invest that saving in actually, that's how you grow the economy. Mm. You stimulate yeah. activity, lower prices, Lower fuel duty, for example, yeah. that will create more but activity. If there, and also, if their argument is we're putting up uh, the interest rates to, to stem inflation to stop it from going any higher, why then are they putting up the prices of alcohol and putting more uh, 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 taxes on, on, on basically sales, sell, sellable items because so people have to spend more because money? Because they are socialists and they are utterly stupid and they don't understand mathematically how inflation works. If you put taxes on things, guess mm. what? Yeah. The price goes up, right. inflation goes up, right. which is why we're advocating exactly the opposite. And the OBR also, their growth forecasts, again, woefully optimistic. Yeah. If if our forecasts are right, then I fear we're going to be, our deficit's going to be 200, 250 billion a year in the coming years. And that is going to lead to a debt crisis that your, yeah. uh, your, your commentator and we're, and discussed guess what? yesterday. We, we will all have to pay the price. And, and meanwhile, the NHS is, is begging for more money, uh, which the government is planning to give them. Meanwhile, uh, there's going to be more money spent on uh, this North Sea oil exploration and, and the expansion of, of the carbon capture business. You know, And again, it's all about money going out and nothing coming in. And we, what we need is you, you can't tax your way out of a crisis. You've got to grow your way out mm. of a crisis. And the way you do that is you cut wasteful spending, you cut taxes for the private sector to get some growth going, to get some activity. That's yeah. what you've got to do. And if we don't do that, then we are heading in a doom loop downwards. Yeah. And you know, I'm banging the drum, others are banging the drum, but these people, like the Governor of the Bank of England, the Chancellor, they're just not listening. Right. They're like tin ears. But I'll tell you what, where are they not spending the money? Because I was staggered, as I'm sure you were yesterday, it's on the front page of the Mail this morning, uh, a question we asked yesterday, how on earth could this be allowed to happen? Rishi Sunak uh, getting invaded uh, his house in North Yorkshire by Greenpeace activists. I mean, I find it staggering that there's literally nobody guarding the Prime Minister's house. It, it's more than staggering. It's, it's gross, gross negligence. He's the Prime Minister. 
whatever you think of his performance or policies, yeah. he is the prime right. minister. And I mean, I'm, just imagine if someone had done something really terrible well, yeah. uh, at, at, at his own private residence, for heaven's sake. That couldn't happen anywhere else no. in the world. It is literally the classic sign of broken Britain that isn't working. The prime minister's own home mm. left totally unprotected. Yeah. Yeah, by because well, the and, and now been, you've got all the police forces blaming each other, mm, shifting responsibility. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I said yesterday was it may well be um, that, that this is not an, a usual situation. It may well be that normally there is somebody there, but who's to say whether or not somebody who's a bit clever at the Greenpeace has already been into the house, planted a few bugs, and left? I mean, I mean, whole, you know, it, it actually beggars belief that it could be so incompetent, so clueless. I mean, we're not just talking about a minister. We're not talking about an MP. We're talking about the prime minister. Yeah. He's the most important elected politician in the country yeah. and one of the biggest democracies, the biggest economies in the world. And his own home just left completely open for anybody, any Tom, Dick or Harry, to drift in and do whatever they like. I, know. I mean, and you see from the pictures in the Daily Mail, the, the, the organisation of it with their ladders and all their things, they'd got all the rigging, all the gear... And apparently it took two hours I was for the police say. to rock up. Really? Two, two hours. The rapid response unit. The rapid response unit <laughs> drifted me. in. Yeah, I That's mean, extraordinary, heaven knows it? what they were doing. Maybe they're just finishing their breakfast or yeah. something. But I mean, it, uh, even the fact that, I mean, I suppose it's easy enough to find out where somebody lives, but it shouldn't be that easy. I mean, it shouldn't be common knowledge where Rishi Sunak's house is, should it? Uh, actually, I think that is fairly common knowledge. Mm. Uh, you've only got to look on the, on the internet. Yeah. But uh, the, the idea that it's just completely open, you can just drift in an open back gate, yeah. wander around the garden, yeah. you know, with a few ladders, yeah. with some ropes, with a bit of gear, mm. uh, and spend a couple of hours climbing up. I mean, they did it all very professionally. All, yeah. You know, they had very nice jackets on. I mean, the whole thing looked like a sort of a quasi-military operation. It is, it's almost as though it was, it was organised in terms of trying to test the defences mm. of the home of the Prime Minister. Yeah. And they were found seriously wanting. And obviously they hung around long enough to be arrested because they, want, they were sitting there waiting to be arrested. Were, and they were going, well, how long will we have to wait? But they had to wait you quite know. a long time. I mean, did they bring enough breakfast? Did they bring some tea? I mean, it was almost mid-morning before well, they came down. Well, avocados on toast for that lot, I presume. <laughs> but anyway, listen, uh, we're with Richard Tars. We've got much more to talk about. We've got loads of your calls to take as well, of course. 0344 499 uh, Tim says, what a shock. We have a low growth economy. Liz Truss was pursuing the right strategy for growth. Well, she may have been, but she didn't do it very well. And so I don't think we should even encounter uh, that argument in the conversation. But clearly there is things, there are things that could be being done, which are not being done. Uh, we'll be back after this on Talk TV. The home of common sense, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. Now, we've got a little exclusive for you here, Richard, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, we have obtained here at Talk TV uh, an exclusive video, uh, footage of an anti-ULEZ activist, because ULEZ has been a big story this week, Sadiq Khan pressing ahead uh, with the ULEZ expansion zone uh, in outer London. Uh, what you're seeing now is somebody representing a group called the Blade Runners Group, sabotaging a, a ULEZ camera in Bromley. Now, you can see uh, he's clambering up there. Uh, he's obviously done this before. This has been something that's been going on all over boroughs in outer London. And we'll be talking to uh, one of the council members from Bromley, the leader of the council, I think, um, later on in the show. But here we see uh, the local, what you might call resistance. Now, obviously, we don't condone any form of illegal activity here at Talk TV. But this is something that's going on a lot, Richard. Um, people are fed up to the back teeth of, of, of these things being imposed upon them. Um, and unfortunately, this kind of activity is going to be the result. Yeah, of course, and no one condones illegal activity. No. But regrettably, what we are seeing is the frustration 
of ordinary people mm. who see this as a tax on the poor yeah. without any another justification. Tax. We were just talking another about that. tax on the poor without any justification against the consultation, against the scientific data. And people are saying enough is enough. Mm. If the politicians, you know, if, if they completely fail to properly represent us, then people's frustration boils over. So we don't condone it, but. Uh, regrettably, it's happening here. It's happening with uh, the protests against the migrant hotels. There's a number of different areas of life in the UK at the moment mm. where the politicians are failing the people, whether it's what you're seeing with the shoplifting, all of this stuff. And people are saying, what is going on? Yeah. Enough is enough. And uh, as I say, people are just steaming furious mm. with uh, with this. And and this is the regrettable consequence. Yeah, absolutely right. It's, it's a bit like with the Just Stop Oil protests. Mm. Eventually drivers end up taking the matters into their own hands right. because the police have failed to deal with it. Mm. it, it it's and that is a problem. The police have issued a statement to us, Detective Superintendent Daniel Smith, uh, whose officers are leading the investigation into this vandalism, say, we have been proactively targeting those we suspect of causing or seeking to cause damage. We are carrying out a thorough investigation, and this includes gathering CCTV, speaking to potential witnesses, and following up active leads. We're also working with TfL to prevent further offences in the future. Well, I'm not sure how they're going to do that, um, I'm sure they may have a plan, but the problem is, is that an awful lot of these cameras were put up even before um, the ruling was made by by the uh, by the judicial review as to whether it was going to be lawful. So I mean, it was almost as though Steve Khan was going to stick two fingers up to the judicial review in any event. Well, uh, and we've seen it elsewhere because we actually saw it in Greater Manchester, where uh, Andy Burnham they spent tens and tens of millions of pounds putting up cameras before it was due to come in. Mm. Then there was such a backlash. He actually did have the political nous mm. to say, let's pause it, let's relook at the whole thing. Sadiq Khan has done the opposite. He's doubled down. Yeah. He said he's going ahead with it. People's fury is growing. It's rising. Yeah. This is the, as I say, Up in the Glasgow, highly regressible consequence it of is. that. Up in Glasgow, there's a judicial review uh, being ordered as well, which is going to take place, we think, in September. We spoke to Donald McLeod about that. Because in Glasgow, it's even worse. You can't actually buy permission to go into the ULO zone. You just get fined if you do it. Just, so I mean, you can't go in there. And, and so you know what's going to happen. People are going to rebel mm. because the politicians have are completely failing people. And people are trying to send a message through the ballot box, whether it was the local councillor elected, yeah. the Tory councillor elected in Cambridge City, whether it was, whether it was the Tories winning in Uxbridge, yeah. specifically a single issue, uh, ULES election that was. And essentially... Uh, the message was, you les, you lose. Yeah. And Sadiq Khan, he hasn't listened. All he's mm. done is say, well, I'll offer you a bit more cash for the scrappage scheme, completely failing to realise right. that that sort of semi-form of bribery is so woeful. Well, also, that's and, our cash, by the way. And, and of it's course, his it's our cash, and he's offering a bit more of our cash yeah. to try and bribe people. Uh, first of all, it's completely uh, ineffective. Mm. Secondly, it shouldn't be there in the first place. He shouldn't. It's another right. classic case of wasting taxpayers' cash when you don't need to do this in the first place. Here's the irony, yeah. Mike, of this whole ULES nonsense. He says it only affects one in ten cars. Mm. Well, if it really does only affect one in ten cars, which, by the way, it doesn't, mm. then do you really think by paying £12.50 that's going to change in one in ten cars 
in London. Mm. That's going to change the quantity of air pollution in London. I mean, the whole no, thing is absolute. Well, do you know what? I said this. Farce. Yeah, I said this yesterday. I put out a tweet to the same effect because if you read the government guidance on air pollution and on clean air and all of the studies that they're doing and all of the things that they say, it reads exactly like a COVID report. Yes, exactly. Right? They're making models. They're predicting things that might happen. They're estimating how many people might be made ill by pollution. It's all nonsense, and it's all Here's- based upon scientific sort of guesswork. Here's the real data. The real data is that the roadside air quality in London has never been of a better quality in history. Mm. It's the best it's ever been and getting better. Yes. Uh, That's the first thing. The second thing is London is in one of the best 25% of major global cities in terms of air quality. Mm. We should be celebrating those improvements. And that has most of that has happened before the original ULES scheme came yeah. in. It happened because of improvements in combustion engines and in fuel technology. Yeah. So we should be investing more in research for those. And yes, so you then get genuine competition. If you want an electric car like I've got, fine. If you want a uh, a, a modern fossil fuel car, fine. But that that's the progress yeah. we've made. Mm. And that's the absolute madness of this scheme, which let's be very clear, this is just a tax on the poor yeah. and people are rising up at the ballot box and regrettably we're seeing other illegal activity taking place. But again, it's place. the net zero uh, revolution gone wrong because I was talking to a colleague of mine here whose son works for one of those um, uh, big sort of um, fibre companies in London, lots of vans. Uh, they got rid of the fleet of vans that were fossil fuel driven and instead bought a load of electric vans and they're on the brink of bankruptcy now because the, the electric vans break down more often uh, because of the amount of time it takes to charge them. They're off the road for longer. They can't do as much business. So the business is actually failing as a result of going green. Well, we, we spoke specifically about it in our press conference yesterday. Ben Habib highlighted all of this environmental, mm. social governance stuff that companies are now embarking upon. And the truth is, it's damaging our economy. It's damaging jobs. It's damaging businesses mm-hmm. like that one. And it's all in pursuit of the net zero mantra. Right. And look, it, it, it's, Which is pie it's in the completely sky, the wrong way to approach it. Let's be very clear. Net zero is an arbitrary temperature right at an arbitrary deadline Mm. of 2050 that is completely unachievable and let's not remember the obr's forecast they say that in order to get to net zero our debt our national debt will be an additional 20 percent higher in 30 odd Mm. years time you're talking about an extra trillion plus pounds of national debt just by the taxpayer to pay for this madness Mm. it is utterly absurd yes we want to reduce um uh, pollution have cleaner on a proportionate, mm. pragmatic, but crucially affordable basis. That's yeah. what other countries around the world, even the EU has woken up and listened to the yeah. people, listened to the technology mm. and said, we've got to delay this stuff. We've got to push it back uh, because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's completely well, it's unsustainable. Unaffordable. It's, it's unaffordable. unaffordable. It's unsustainable. And the truth is, it's unnecessary. Yes, it really is. I'm looking forward to the Sunday sermon coming up this weekend. What's it going to be on? Uh, well, uh, it's, it'll be pretty spicy. The last right. few, have, I've, they've really got, uh, they've really got going, and uh, uh, the numbers are up. And you know, people are, people want to hear uh, the truth, and they mm. want to hear the the, the the fact that so much of this stuff we are being misinformed, yeah. we are being misled. Uh, some of the data is being fiddled and fudged, mm. and it's absolutely infuriating yeah. me and so many others. Mm. 
And, you know, luckily here we can talk about it. We yeah. can put both sides of it. Last Sunday I had someone from the Climate Party, a new political party, that doesn't think we're going far, fast I enough. I didn't even know there was a Climate Party. Well, it's, it's, it's relatively new. I think it's been going for a year. I mean, all credit to the guy. He's got a view. He's standing yeah. up. But it's not easy. And I, I congratulated him on at least... Uh, you know, standing up for his principles. He, mm. I think he's he's completely wrong, but uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's the joy of democracy. But absolutely, he yeah. got he got a grand forty-one votes yeah. in the Uxbridge by Listen, I mean, I'd much rather that than people, uh, you know, telling us that we can't say certain things or we have to avoid certain topics because you're not allowed to talk about that because no. that's a bit difficult. You let's know, talk about difficult. this stuff. Uh, let we should be allowed to talk mm. about it. We should be allowed to challenge the science in the same way that Donald Trump uh, was trying to challenge the election results, mm. in the same way that actually many other Democrats have challenged yeah. previous election results. Absolutely you know, right. That's what a democracy is all about. It's mm. called free speech, folks, but yeah. you've got to do it within the context of the law. Yeah, and if you don't like a politician, vote them out. Simple. Absolutely. It's that's not the difficult. way it goes. Speaking of which, coming up, we'll be speaking to Sir John Redwood. He's got some views on the Bank of England and the economy and all the rest of it. Richard, thank you very much indeed. Richard Tice back with you on Sunday, right here on Talk TV, 10am. Don't miss it. Uh, the Sunday sermon is something to behold. Uh, you might even get religious about it. Uh, this is Talk TV. Online, on DAB+, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Mike says, Bill in Cheshire, the whole idea of a ULED zone is a money-making con. If they really cared about air quality, they would ban entirely vehicles that don't meet the air quality standards from entering cities. How does charging them to enter improve air quality? It's a farce. Well, that's exactly right. The whole point of ULEZ is supposedly to create cleaner air. That's what we're always told. It's got nothing to do with net zero, nothing to do with emissions. It's everything to do with cleaner air. But of course, what actually Sadiq Khan wants to do is not to stop the air from being polluted, but he wants you to pay for the right to do so. And that, to me, uh, is completely and utterly disingenuous, wrong, and something that most people in this city and in this country do not actually want. Now, let's talk to Sir John Redwood MP. Uh, he's Conservative for Wokingham, of course. The Bank of England uh, put their interest rates up for the 14th consecutive time yesterday. An awful lot of people, including Richard Tice, they're saying, what on earth are they thinking? How much more of this interest rate rise is going to stop inflation? It clearly doesn't seem to be working at the moment. John, a very good morning to you. Um, lots good of people, morning, Mike. Lots of people wondering when the government will put the, the brakes on the economy, if they can. Um, Andrew Bailey doesn't seem to think he can control inflation. Uh, a lot of people think that the, yesterday's rise was a rise too far. It may well prove to be so. I, mean, I find it very surprising that the bank wants to carry on flying blind as it is, mm. as it's told us that it doesn't trust its own forecast and it thinks its model has been wrong. Uh, we can see for ourselves that it's been wildly wrong about inflation and growth for the last three or four years. And I would have thought what they should have done at that last meeting was sat down and had a really good session over how do they improve their models and their forecasts. Because until they can, with confidence, tell us what inflation is going to do, it's very difficult to know how they can set interest rates. Yes. And also with the government giving pay rises out willy-nilly to members of the public sector, they've now settled with teachers, they've settled with nurses, uh, they haven't yet settled with doctors. But, you know, they're giving out a lot of public money, uh, billions and billions of pounds. They're giving out plenty of um, tax rises for things like alcohol. Um, surely that would be considered inflationary uh, while the Bank of England's putting up interest rates. Well, I've been urging the government to be using tax reductions to help bring the inflation rate down. Mm. I think the whole approach to inflation by the bank and the Treasury is very flawed. I mean, the bank uh, produced a rationale for increasing interest rates, 
and it said it needed to drive demand down and so it was going to hit mortgage payers more so that people with mortgages had less money to spend. Mm. Well, why do they pick on just the mortgage holders? And hasn't it occurred to them that at the same time that they were taking money away from the mortgage holders, they are presumably giving the many millions more that are savers some extra money, because we presume we get more interest on our savings. Now they put the rates up. So how does that work, Bank Mm. of England? How are you actually getting demand down when you're stealing from the mortgage holders and giving to, giving the money to the savers. Yes. Well, this is the problem, isn't it? Because, I mean, I'm while I'm not unsympathetic to people whose mortgages are going up, I mean, it is unfortunately par for the course. You and I are old enough to remember when buying a house wasn't an automatic guarantee of making money. You know, sometimes the interest rate went up. Sometimes you had to sell the house at a loss. Sometimes when you enter the, uh, the, the home um, um, purchasing market, things go wrong. You know, so I'm not one of those that thinks the government should be helping people out. I was listening to um, a, a Liberal MP, a Lib, Lib Dem MP, um, a, a Christine Jardine, this morning talking on breakfast, saying, you know, people through no fault of their own are paying more money for their mortgages. Well, you know, I'm not one who says the government should be helping people out with that. You know, that's the market. And if prices come down as a result, then that's probably a good thing, isn't it? Well, I agree that government shouldn't be subsidising people against market movements in prices. But what we're talking about here, Mike, is the Bank of England rigging interest rates, as it is entitled to do. That's its main job. Uh, And we're we're entitled to ask it, are you rigging it in the right way? Mm. We know we just lived through a period when the Bank of England depressed interest rates far too far, diddling all the savers and giving us a massive inflation. There's now the danger they're going to do the opposite. They're going to stick interest rates up too high, hitting all the mortgage holders and all the businesses trying to expand on borrowed money uh, and giving us much more of a downturn than we need or we deserve. I want them to get it right. And they must start, surely, Mike, by doing some better homework on their economics. They've got all these very highly paid, clever economists there. Why can't they produce a model that can start predicting things more accurately? (laughs) <laughs> their test should be, can they get their model to predict what has happened? Yes. We know that over the last two or three years, their model was so far out. So please, Bank, fix your model immediately, and then we'd have more confidence in your judgments. Well, I mean, I must say, banking the banking business has gone a long way from uh, the big bang that I remember back in the 80s, when everything was uh, much more hunky-dory than it is now. And the banks were actually quite good at their jobs. They were good at making money. They were good at, uh, at making money for their customers. They were good at uh, lending money to their customers in a safe and, and balanced way. But in the past sort of couple of decades, they seem to have forgotten how to do it. They seem more interested in telling you that they've got a gender-neutral toilet uh, than they've actually got a decent kind of vault full of gold. Well, and of course, the banks were misled into bad ways of lending a lot of money to projects that weren't going to work very well and to companies that are going to find it very difficult to repay that money by the Bank of England, the Federal Reserve Board and the ECB. All three of those central banks have made the same mistakes, deliberately depressing interest rates and saying to the banks, go on, have a jamboree, just lend any money, any amounts you like. And of course, the banks allowed the governments to borrow the most enormous sums of money at some somewhere near zero interest. Well, who wouldn't find it exciting to borrow at zero interest? So the, the mistakes all go back to those central banks. And, and we know that they didn't have to do it uh, because the, um, the world's second biggest economy, China, and the world's fourth biggest economy, Japan, uh, have inflation at very low levels now because they didn't have banks that went on this huge 
money spree that the European Central Bank, the Bank of England and the Fed did. Mm. That is the problem, isn't it? I mean, how do you see the way uh, of the next sort of six months, the end of this year? We're told that 5% is probably a level that interest rates will, will not dip below. Um, there's an awful lot of people who are, who are struggling to get by. There's an awful lot of people facing uh, these new ULES charges, which are going to come in in London and possibly other parts of the country as well. Um, the government, meanwhile, is, is heading, heading on, and Sunak, Rishi Sunak's trying to convince us all that he's he's getting things done. But is he really? Well, yeah, I think the Prime Minister's getting done what he can get done, but the Bank of England background is not at all helpful, and I think the Treasury have got to change their approach. I think we need from the Treasury now uh, tax cuts that promote more growth. Um, the bank wants to do it all by hitting demand, particularly hitting the demand that people with borrowings would otherwise be uh, releasing into the economy. I think they need to do much more by supply. Inflation is, is too much money chasing too few goods. Well, there's not a lot of money left now. The money growth is way down. Uh, so what we need is some more supply. And that's where tax cuts and, and positive policies for individual sectors like farming could be very helpful. Let's stop the wilding grants and give grants to people to grow more food. Yeah. Uh, let's have an energy policy which does really get on with getting the oil and gas out of the UK. When I see the Prime Minister's announced more exploration licences, but what he needs to do is have production licences, because there are several well-established, well-known fields out there that don't have licences to produce the oil and gas. Mm. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? Uh, and as much as you might say to uh, oil and gas companies, you know, please come back to the North Sea, people have said to me that the infrastructure there isn't what it was, so they'd have to be building new rigs and possibly new, um, you know, pieces of equipment to look for the oil and the gas. And also, uh, how could you guarantee, for example, that if Labour win the next election, they don't suddenly hit them with some kind of windfall tax? Well, that's the danger, and we've already got a big windfall tax. And, and again, I would ask the Treasury to look at that, because I I think if it is a genuine windfall tax, it should come off when the oil prices come down. But it didn't do that. Right. The oil prices came back a long way, but the windfall tax remained at the same level. And as you rightly say, that is a deterrent to investment. But I come back to this simple proposition that, uh, that a number of companies have spent a lot of money on drilling exploration wells, and they've discovered quite big fields out there, but they still haven't got the permits and the go-ahead to get on and produce the oil and gas. Surely that should be number one priority of this government. Mm. It needs more tax revenue, and that would also create some well-paid jobs and substitute for expensive imports. And Rishi Sunak does appear to have kind of signalled that he's willing to move slightly on the net zero commitments and possibly uh, postpone some of them. Is that the right thing to do from your point of view? Well, I think it's quite wrong to, to undertake policies that actually increase world carbon dioxide at the expense of British industry and commerce. And we have too many of those sort of policies. That's why I've been a strong advocate of getting our own oil and gas out of the ground, because not only does it produce jobs, money and tax revenue here, but it reduces world CO2 because LNG is much more CO2 intensive than just getting your gas direct from a field down a pipe. Uh, and I think we need to reverse the, the bans on gas boilers and on, uh, on certain types of car from 2030. I don't think that's going to help at all. Uh, I think, again, we'll end up with more imports and, and more world CO2. 
Exactly right. Finally, uh, Sir John, what do you make of the Greenpeace demonstration outside or inside and clambering around over Rishi Sunak's home uh, in North Yorkshire? I'm staggered, as many people are, that uh, there was no kind of police protection there, that anybody could have apparently um, done exactly what they did with with perhaps more malevolent plans, you know. Um, As an MP, I presume this is something, your own security is something you worry about. Well, I don't want to personalise it, but I think particularly for somebody like the Prime Minister, uh, yes, of course, he deserves proper support from security services. And I hope now there will be a plan put in place to protect his own private residence in Yorkshire. I think everybody is horrified by that, apart from uh, a small group who support this kind of very difficult protest. And I was very pleased to see Labour came out very strongly along with the, the government saying yeah. that really we must do better than this. Yeah, but I mean, surely uh, whatever the residence is, if it is something that belongs to the Prime Minister, it should be guarded 24-7, shouldn't it? Well, I don't, I don't want to go into the details of how they should do it, but I think everybody will agree that they need to do something better than they did last time, yeah. to allow people to walk in with all this equipment and uh, change the look of the house and get up on the roof. Uh, just beggars belief, doesn't it? So we need to do better than that. No, absolutely right. So John Redwood, thank you very much indeed. Conservative MP for Wokingham, of course. Um, An incredible uh, question being posed on the front pages this morning. How on earth could this be allowed to happen? We asked the question yesterday, and so far still, uh, the police don't seem to be able to provide an actual answer. Seems extraordinary, doesn't it? 0344 a 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk TV. Is Might providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people? Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Much to do, uh, plenty of time to do it in. Coming up in this hour, we're going to talk you, Leslie Moore. We'll show you another uh, clip of that uh, exclusive that we've got uh, of the Blade Runners, as they're calling themselves. New Les Vigilantes operating in Bromley. Uh, lots of people saying, obviously, that you can't condone uh, criminal activity. Uh, but, of course, there is criminal activity when it comes to net zero all over the place because you've got Extinction Rebellion committing criminal activity. You've got Greenpeace committing criminal activity by clambering all over Rishi Sunak's house. You've got Just Stop Oil committing criminal activity and getting arrested every single day of the week. So um, it's a little bit rich for people to say, well, of course, this criminal activity cannot be condoned. Well, people condone criminal activity all the time, don't they? Especially if it's on the side of the green agenda. If you're in Greenpeace, if you're in Extinction Rebellion, if you're in Just Stop Oil, there are MPs, there are people in the House of Lords that say they should be allowed to conduct criminal activity and they actually condone it. Well, we here at Talk TV don't condone any criminal activity, right? Whether it's Just Stop Oil, whether it's Extinction Rebellion, and whether it's the Blade Runners. But at least what you can say for the Blade Runners is that an awful lot of people agree with what it is that they're doing. And an awful lot of people are affected by what Sadiq Khan wants to bring in. Jane says this to me, Mike, I keep asking this question, but I never get an answer. So I hope you can help. Why can't the government overrule Sadiq Khan's ULES scheme as it is against democracy and causes harm to everyone, not just Londoners who visit our capital when we are already suffering? Who is in charge? Is it the mayor? Or is it the Prime Minister? Well, I can tell you I've got a good answer for that because we're about to speak now uh, to Councillor Colin Smith, the leader of Bromley Council, where uh, this ULES activity has been going on. Let's have another look and remind ourselves uh, of this ULES vigilante video. Have a look. You can see uh, a man approaching what is one of the newly installed ULES cameras 
uh, and he's about to basically take it down and take it out of commission. Um, and according to the police, they say that they are carrying out a thorough investigation, including gathering CCTV, speaking to potential witnesses and following up active leads. They're working with TfL to prevent further offences in the future. But this is clearly a problem for Sadiq Khan. And as Kevin O'Sullivan said, one of the things that uh, he hasn't waited for and worked out is that if there are no signs in some of these areas, and many of the areas, including Bromley, uh, are not willing to go along with Sadiq Khan's plans, if the signs don't go up, then presumably the fines cannot be handed out. Let's talk now uh, to the leader of Bromley Council, Councillor Colin Smith. Colin, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Nice to have you. Yeah, nice to have you back. Um, I mean, obviously, this is something that's going on all over uh, some of these different uh, council areas around outer London, as we would call it. You know, Bromley's affected, obviously. There's parts of Essex affected, parts of uh, Harrow and all of that. Um, You know, I'm saying, of course, we don't condone criminal activity, but there's an awful lot of people who do condone criminal activity by the likes of Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion. Uh, And you might argue this is just a different version of that. Well, Mike, I wouldn't argue it. The law's the law and everyone should obey it. That said... Well, they I should, think... but, you know, just up all break the law every day and certain uh, MPs and, and certain pe- members of the House of Lords condone that every single day. So I know that you've got to say that, but let's put it in perspective, shall we? Well, Mike, I mean, I have said on the record several times, warned over the months, there are a lot of very frightened, very angry people out there and it's manifesting itself on the streets now in a way which nobody wants to see. Right. But that's that's the origin and the solution is very easy, which is, please, Mr. Khan, even now, stop this crazy scheme. Yeah. Everyone knows it's about tax. Everyone knows it isn't about health. Stop it, please. Yeah. And what do you make of Sadiq Khan's kind of rhetoric and his, and his propaganda? I saw an interview that he gave the other day in which he said that there were thousands of children across London in hospitals struggling to breathe. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss which might be true for all i know uh, but he's obviously inferring that the reason they're struggling to breathe is because of pollution because if that was true um, and he actually was willing to allow people to continue to pollute as long as they paid him 12 pound 50 that would make him a bit of a psychopath in my view well i'm not into name calling like myself but i would pose this question of your viewers and of mr khan and it's this if this is really about health, as you say, 
why are you concentrating on expanding your scheme to the area with the cleanest air in London rather than doing more in inner London, given that outer London's air, Bromley's air, certainly is cleaner than every single borough within the existing zone? And more to the point, why aren't you dealing with the source of the real problem in London, which is the filthy, fetid air across your own tube network, yeah. which is where the problem actually exists, yes. rather, than, rather than in the fields on the boundary with Kent? Also, rather amazing that he's decided to uh, expand the ULES zone out to Heathrow, where I presume, you know, the jet fuel probably isn't the greatest idea for a cleaner air situation, is it? Well, you touch on another good point there. Even the unions are asking him not to expand it to Heathrow because a lot of low-paid workers there are going to run into debt they can't afford as well. Mm. It's crazy. It's ill-thought-through. He's been rumbled. You know, this is about extra tax... It isn't health, and the more people that understand that, the angrier, angrier people are getting. Yes. Now, Kevin O'Sullivan raised this point earlier today and has mentioned it in the past. If the signs saying that ULES is in effect in an area like Bromley are not actually there, i.e. if the signs don't go up, um, does that mean that the uh, fines can no longer then be imposed? Well, Mike, the erection of the signs across outer London, unfortunately the law is that the boroughs can't stop the mayor. He has the right to erect the signs if he wishes to. Um, if the signs aren't there or if the signs have been taken away and not replaced in time, it, as I understand the law, it does give motorists the right to appeal that they weren't warned. Right. Um, however, that will apply on a case-by-case -case basis. And I wouldn't want anyone to uh, assume that that gives them an instant out because right. we don't want to see people getting taxed. Unnecessarily. Well, I think that's the other problem is people are seeing this very much as a tax. You know, it is certainly not in any way, shape or form an effort to clean up the air. It is simply a way of rinsing the public for more money, isn't it? Yeah, very much so, Mike. And people have heard me drone on about this, but it's worth emphasising this is going to kill um, single businessmen with vans they can't afford for an extra 20, 30 grand. This is going to cause people to lose jobs or move jobs. Yeah. If you're a low-paid worker travelling into Bromley from Swanley or Sevenoaks, earning perhaps 35 grand a year, this three and a half grand is like an extra 10% off your gross your gross income. Mm. You can't afford it. But worse, far worse for me, Mike, it's the damage this is going to do to care networks. Family members or friends travelling up to see perhaps slightly um, less able elderly residents right. living in places like Beckenham and Penge, that's where the real damage is going to be done. That's where the social fabric starts to fall away. And that's the real tragedy of it to me. Well, I know people as well who live in, in sort of parts of what you might call Greater London um, who are going to be paying £12.50 just to go to the shops or paying £12.50 just to go and visit their friends because, you know, there isn't always public transport in the same way there is in the centre of London. You can't always get a bus. You can't always get a train or an overground, you know. And so there's not much of an underground service in lots of parts of South London and its, and its environs. Um, you know, what are they supposed to do? Well, if my good friend uh, Mr. Bacon were here, I'm sure he would chime in at this point and mention from a part of Albington, the far extremes on the Kent boundary, the nearest tube station is Greenwich North, I think it is, right. somewhere in the region of 12 miles away. There are no tube stations in Bexley. There are none in Bromley. Yeah. We have lots of hills. We have bigger distances. People physically can't afford 
uh, or, or aren't able, I should say, to ride bikes everywhere. There's no tubes to jump on. It's a one-size-fits-all that's being rammed down our throats, and that's why people are getting pretty hacked off about it. Yeah, absolutely right. And and as far as the legal situation goes, Colin, I mean, are, are you aware of anything that you can do? I mean, I was asked this question earlier by uh, by Jane, who said, you know, who's in charge? Is it the mayor? Is it the prime minister? I mean, Tory party MPs have told me in the past that they could get the Prime Minister to overrule Sadiq Khan, but it's quite a sort of lengthy process and it's quite a serious process which involves taking away all of his powers as mayor, which obviously they don't particularly want to do. Have you got any legal recourse at this point? I believe there is, um, and quite simply it's this. Um, under the 1999 GLA Act, Section 143, there is provision for the Secretary of State, Mr Mark Harper MP, um, to intervene if the mayor is exceeding his powers uh, around transport infrastructure. Mm. Um, there is a debate within government and amongst MPs and ministers as to whether the, that section of the Act applies. I certainly think it needs to be looked at very closely. And frankly, if it doesn't apply, I think we need urgent legislation as soon as Parliament resits following the recess because... We cannot possibly wait till next May to sort this out at the mayoral election because all the damage will have been done by then. So yeah. myself and others are absolutely clear that the moment recess is over and the government are back, government have got to pick this up and run with it. Yeah, absolutely right. And I mean, for people who don't know what to do at this moment in time because they've got a car which they believe to be non-compliant, um, what would your advice be to them? I mean, should they just wait and see? Should they try and uh, get the scrappage scheme money now while it's still available? What should they do? Mike, um, I'm a great believer. Um, it doesn't work for everyone, this philosophy. But if in your, ever in doubt, it's best to do nothing in the short term. Mm. And I can't guarantee what the outcome would be. But I do think there will be movement on this by the 29th of August and people will at least get a better indication of what the government's going to do, if indeed anything, and it better had, because we're crying out for help in the outer London regions, and only the government can sort it out for us now. Mm. And I mean, as far as these um, fines and, and, and fees go, I mean, it all sort of disappears into the coffers of Transport for London, right? It doesn't come to the local council, you don't get any benefit from this. No, not a penny. I'm, unfortunately, I was going to say there, but I prefer the whole damn thing went away. Yeah. But all of the money actually goes to TfL, to the mayor for spending on whatever wacky anti-car scheme he's got in, got in mind next. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, listen, I wish you well, uh, Colin. Thank you very much for joining us. Councillor Colin Smith, the leader there of Bromley Council, and says this, Mike, when laws are unjust, it is our moral duty to disobey them. Well, I have to say, I'm not having all of these holier-than-thou types, and that's a phrase I've come to like rather a lot over the last 24 hours, uh, as you'll find out a little bit later on when we talk to Sebastian Gorka, you know, saying, oh, but they shouldn't be breaking the law. Well, tell that to Just Stop Oil. Tell that to Extinction Rebellion. Tell it to Greenpeace, right? The people who break the law constantly and are given a pat on the head by judges who think that they're fighting a good fight. Well, these people are fighting a good fight as well. I reckon the alleged thousands of children in hospital in London with breathing issues, says Chris in Horsham, must have been using the filthy, dirty underground, Comrade Khan. Well, that's possible as well. If he really cared about children's breathing, he wouldn't allow the underground to even operate. 
as a legal entity because the the air down there is so badly polluted uh, that if you travel regularly enough, you get black stuff coming out of your nose. So I'm told. This is Talk TV. And Google Play. Talk Radio and Talk TV. The home of common sense. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. David says, I've got a message for Colin Smith, a referendum for Bromley, leave London and move to Kent. <laughs> well, I mean, I think Bromley's already in Kent, isn't it? It's very odd because it's on the outskirts of London. Uh, it's not considered to be London as such. Um, and so people don't have access to the same public transportation uh, as people in central London have. And an awful, an awful lot of people, the only way to get around in parts of uh, the outskirts of London is in a car. There are no buses to speak of. And if there are any, they don't run very regularly. There's no trains except ones that go straight into town. They don't actually go from one part of Bromley to another part of Bromley. Do you know what I'm saying? That is part of the problem. Um, the chief constable of North Yorkshire should be sacked immediately. Ludicrous security lapse at the Prime Minister's home, says Tony. Yeah, absolutely. Jim in Birmingham. Yes, Mike, it's unfortunate that folk are resorting to direct action in our country. But hey, what do this awful government expect? Well, this is it. I mean, I haven't even mentioned the people who go out there and let people's tyres down. I think they call themselves Extinguished Rebellion or something like that. Um, you know, these are all people that break the law on a regular basis uh, who get loads of support from the left, from the Labour Party, from the Wokies, you know, who all go, oh, yeah, that's great because, you know, uh, they're trying, trying to influence climate change and it's climate action and so it's all right to break the law for them. Well, no, it isn't. Absolutely not. Absolutely not a rubbish. We're going to speak in a moment to Di Davis and those thing or two uh, about the law and royal protection and police protection of Rishi Sunak, etc. But before that, tonight, from seven o'clock, it is your favourite show, Plank of the Week. But it's quite sinister because Costa Coffee have decided the best way to sell their product is to show someone with livid red scars having had their breasts lopped yeah. off. And I Unbelievable, just don't isn't it? understand. There it is. yeah, I don't understand how they're trivialising something, which is essentially mutilation. Mm. And in time, when a load of people are detransitioning, when they're suing their doctors, yeah. when they're suing their counsellors, when they're suing mm. the government for yeah. allowing this evil to take place, yeah. these companies are going to look utterly dreadful. Oh, By which show, time, of course, it will have all been too late. It will have them. been, yeah, but Alex came yeah. up with a great line for the new uh, Costa Coffee product, which could be called a Crappuccino. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets even better, right, because after Plank of the Week at 8 o'clock now, my brand new show, which is called The World According to Mike Graham, uh, that'll go on. And then Kevin O'Sullivan's show at 8.30. So you've got two hours of absolute bumper-style entertainment tonight from 7pm right here on Talk TV. The only place to be, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk to Di Davis because he is the former head of Royal Protection uh, in the police, of course, and we want to get his view on how on earth a bunch of activists from Greenpeace could have clambered all over the North Yorkshire home residence of Rishi Sunak, the Prime Minister, with nobody stopping them. And the police taking a couple of hours to get there, for heaven's sake. Di, very good morning to you. Good morning to you, sir. Now, it's, it's sort of beggar's belief, this story for me. I mean, I don't know what uh, you can tell me about the people that protect the Prime Minister, but surely to God, the Prime Minister, if he has a residence outside of Number 10 Downing Street, would expect it surely to be watched at least, wouldn't he? Well, you're absolutely right. I, I, I used the word gobsmack to an interview yesterday, yeah. and I remain gobsmacked as to why this could have happened in the first place. Hmm. Surely those responsible for protecting uh, our Prime Minister. And I say, if we can't protect him or members of the royal family, what hope for the rest of us? Well, frankly, there isn't much hope if the standard 
of response by North Yorkshire and their assistant chief constable thinks that's okay, then he and I live on a different planet. Didn't they realise that following uh, Mr. the Prime Minister's remarks regarding the uh, giving of licences to the uh, North Sea, etc., that there might be some kind of disruption? Didn't anybody think outside the box? Now, security for our Prime Minister should be on many, many different layers. Some of them I can talk about, some of them I can't, obviously. But this is uh, rudimentary. There should be outer protection, semi-inner protection, and the whole house should be protected. If they can't have uh, a police officer there 24-7, then surely in today's technology age, you have a 24-7 alarm camera system. You know, most of us have some similar systems now in our home, and yet it would appear North Yorkshire Police, the Home Office, whoever's in charge overall of protection, didn't seem to think that was necessary or reasonable. It beggars belief, and if I was the Chief Constable or his or her Assistant Chief Constable, I would hang my head in shame. Yes. In fact, I would discipline them. Well, quite, because one of the more shocking aspects of this is not only was there not anybody there, but it took them more than two hours to get there. It beggars belief, as you said. It is appalling. I can't remember, other than when Fagan got into the Queen's bedroom, and I hasten to add, I wasn't in charge then. Thank God for that. I can't think, yeah, I can't <laughs> think of a more serious potential. And it's not because of these protesters. They wouldn't do any harm, and they've got the publicity they like. But it's the fact that a terrorist could have got in and done whatever he or she wanted. You will remember the Brighton bombing. I certainly do, as a young inspector. Yes, absolutely. I'm you know, these uh, people can plant devices and they can go off when the Prime Minister and his family are there. This is an indictment of the most serious uh, scale that I can remember against not only this Prime Minister, but uh, others. It is appalling. Yeah. Uh, and well, the, other, the, other thought the, I, the other thought I had, Diane, I'm sure I'm not giving anybody any ideas before anybody accuses me of that. But, you know, if the house is unattended at all times, what's to stop, you know, some clever kind of, you know, James Bond-like figure from the Russian embassy or from the Chinese Secret Service from somehow gaining entry and putting a load of bugs in the house? Well, you, you, you've said that. It's it just... Security should be like an onion. Hmm. It should be on layer upon layer on layer. The Home Office have a specialist team. The police have specialist teams. The, the now, well, it used to be special branch, have the technical expertise, I would hope. But also that you've got to apply intelligence. Intelligence is graded hmm. information. And you've got to apply common sense. Now, that's a rare word in policing today. Yeah. Common sense. It is appalling, and I don't think enough people have made enough fuss about the sheer incompetence of North Yorkshire police. Now, if they can justify why it took two hours to respond, then I'll eat my words. But so far, I haven't yeah. heard, I haven't even heard an apology. No, they're all kind of blaming each other. You know, I don't know what's going on. I mean, presumably the North Yorkshire police will say, well, we thought there was some kind of prime ministerial Downing Street detail uh, on this. But obviously there wasn't, which, which is also baffling to me. Well, it's baffling to me, too. And clearly coordination between North Yorkshire. But it's not just our prime minister. It's the Home Secretary, the Foreign Secretary, yeah. the, the Chancellor, uh, ex-MPs. Surely now this current Home Secretary... KC as she is, got how she got to be a KC that quickly and uh, uh, with the 
what they lack is basic common sense yeah. an old style let's think outside this proverbial box mm. and say what if and then you get specialist units like the SAS to test you mm. and that's how you discover now Greenpeace have done everybody a favor but it's not just the Prime Minister it should apply to every member of Parliament because we know some of them are at risk particularly from the lunatic fringe we allow in this country yeah. and whether that's a lunatic pro protest as I regard some of them or a lunatic uh, so-called terrorist, most of them right or left are lunatics in the first place, otherwise they wouldn't do what they do. Don't they think these things could happen? And don't they test their own systems? Now you have highly paid chief constables, deputy chief constables, assistant chief constables, Uncle Tom Cobley and all, <laughs> the uh, deputy assistant commissioner down in London, who's in overall command, is paid a quarter of a million pounds a year. Yeah. Has he ever visited? I walk the shop floor as a boss. Right. That's the way you realize if you're doing the right thing or not. Mm. When did this lot last walk the shop floor? Well, I'm looking still for somebody in the public sector in a position of some authority to actually know what their job is and whether they actually can do it or not. And the answer, I'm afraid, is I still haven't found anyone. Well, we keep promoting people out of sheer incompetence. That yeah. seems to be the level. Or if you've been to university and you've got a degree in old cobblers. Yeah. But anybody who's got that <laughs> practical operational skill is bypassed when it comes to these senior posts. Unbelievable. Half the, half the country now are led by people, male and female. Most of them have never done operational. They've never been in a riot. They've never combated terrorism. They've never carried a gun, driven a car fast. None of these qualifications do they have to realize what you need to have when you're leading men and women. Most men and women want to be properly led in the mm. police service. Sadly, they're not anymore. No, very, very true. Sad, but true. Di, brilliant. Absolute common sense as ever from you. Thank you. Di Davis, former head of Royal Protection. Greenpeace apparently have issued a statement today in which they've said uh, that their protest was a proportionate response to a disastrous decision. Yeah, of course. Well, they would say that, wouldn't they? Uh, according to Ariba Hamid, who's co-executive uh, director of Greenpeace, uh, it was an empty home. We wouldn't have done it if he was there because our intention was to draw attention to the fact that what he's doing on climate is actually a big disaster rather than to talk about his family or where he lives. Shut up. This is Talk TV. The home of common sense. Talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Coming up very, very shortly, Sebastian Gorka is going to join us to talk about the latest uh, from the Trump camp, the Trump travails of yesterday, appearing in court in Washington, D.C. Uh, we'll be talking about what happens next uh, for the former president uh, of the United States of America, who gets ever more popular uh, with every indictment uh, that the Democrats put on him effectively. But first, though, time for this. The world of woke. And now it will come as no surprise to you that in the firing line today in the world of woke, it is the NHS. That's right. The National Health Service, which is supposed to represent everybody uh, in the United Kingdom uh, and even some people who are not from the United Kingdom who come here to use uh, the service, which is free at the point of delivery. But thousands of workers have basically been told that they should read a woke handbook, which forgives uh, sorry, forbids team leaders from using phrases such as I understand your concerns to anyone who complains about gender neutral toilets. Because, of course, the thing is, people who live and work in the Northeast uh, in a hospital trust have that 
at the very heart of their going-to-work policy. Because what happens, right, the 38-page document uh, applies to more than 8,300 doctors, nurses and support staff. It says this, it is discriminatory not to use a trans or non-binary person's preferred pronoun, right? It says that you should not discriminate against employees. And if you have gender-critical views, that will be a recipe for bullying women. The Free Speech Union has called for this policy to be withdrawn. South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation says, however, that they are going to use transitioning at work and gender diversity policy uh, to make sure that you don't cause offence to people. So it will now be offensive if you ask a trans or non-binary person questions such as the disgraceful, which toilet do you use? I mean, for heaven's sake, managers must not make supportive comments such as I understand your concerns to staff if they complain about trans or non-binary colleagues having access to gendered space. So I'm afraid uh, if you happen to be a woman going into a toilet and you find yourself standing next to a guy with a beard in a dress, I'm afraid you won't be able to complain because that will be considered to be completely and utterly wrong. (sighs) Breathe. That was the world of work. The world of woke. Wow. Well, let's talk to Sebastian Gorka because Donald Trump was back in court yesterday, this time in Washington, D.C. And before we do it, shall we look at Donald Trump's statement after he left the place? For the first time in American history, a sitting American president. Play Trump. When you look at what's happening, this is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. Thank you very much. President Donald Trump, we can't let this happen in America. Let's talk to Sebastian Gorka, former aide to Donald Trump in the White House, host, of course, of America First. Sebastian, welcome back. It's been far too long. It has. It has. Listen, uh, it can't be allowed to happen in America. What has happened to America? Uh, It saddens me to say this, Mike, as the uh, child of those who escaped an actual communist dictatorship. My father was liberated from a political prison in Hungary during the revolution. And as an immigrant to this nation who chose America, uh, I I wrote a piece where I said, we've arrived. We, We are in a police state right now from the home of the 45th president being raided last year by armed agents of the FBI. This is this is a guy who just left the White House. This is a guy who, to his dying day, maintains the top clearances. And they, they, they rifle through his sock drawer because of what? Documents. And then what we witnessed yesterday, to use a British term, uh, let's be clear, this isn't a former president. He's also the leader of the opposition. Right now, he is, mm. bet- depending on which poll, between 20 and 40 points uh, in front of his nearest challenger for the nomination for the Republican Party. So Ron DeSantis is trailing behind him. So this is the guy they have to take out. They know they can't win with the tools they used in 2020, which was, of course, COVID. They mailed out 80 million 
voting slips, which was, of course, uh, just an invitation to voter fraud. They don't have that cover next year. So what are they going to do? They're going to unleash the Department of Justice again and again and again, which is fine if we're in Venezuela or North Korea. But, but this is America, Mike. Exactly. And the bizarre nature of this indictment, the four charges uh, laid out uh, by the prosecutor, um, who is clearly a man uh, who doesn't want to take on Donald Trump in a major way. He wants to take him on in a minor way, because at the beginning and all the way through this indictment are the words that the First um, um, Amendment rights protected in free speech by the American Constitution would allow Donald Trump to make any claim that he likes, whether it's false or otherwise, it doesn't matter. He's allowed to make the claim and then they indict him uh, on those claims. Yeah, I mean, God bless the founding fathers and you know, those <laughs> yeah. who support the, the civil rights amendments. Uh, we have codified in writing the right to freedom of speech. Uh, and, and the idea that, that they're prosecuting him because he lied about the last election. If lying about an election is a, uh, is a felony, then most of the Democrats should be in prison. Mm. I can play you clips. I can play you a 20-minute tw montage. It's on my Twitter feed. You just go to a 20-minute montage of every stinking leading Democrat lying and saying, yes, the 2016 election was stolen. Hillary Clinton, Mike, Hillary Clinton to this day says the election was stolen from me. Well, then why isn't she in prison? Mm. This, this, is, this is when you realize, you know, Lady Liberty has had her blindfold ripped off her. And if you're a Republican, a powerful Republican, you can get in trouble with the law. If you're a Democrat, it doesn't matter. And just one little piquant extra addition. The judge who has been assigned to this case is a woman, Tanya Chutkan, who has been the most vicious judge when it comes to January 6th prosecutions, mm. going above the requests of the Department of Justice in meeting out penalties against people who, you know, trespassed in Congress. And not only that, Mike, if, if your listeners don't believe me, please check it out. Judge Chutkan was at one of the most corrupt law firms in America for 12 years before becoming a federal judge, where her business partner, her colleague, was none other than Hunter Biden, the current president's son. You can't make this yes. stuff up. Was she not also appointed by Barack Obama? And are we not now two and a half years on uh, from the events that are being complained about in the indictment? And also, um, the reasoning being given by the Democrats, of course, is that, well, we didn't want to charge the president at the time because it might have been uh, dangerous for the country. Oh, really? So what's the difference? Two and a half years later, uh, I will play you uh, some, some uh, footage in a moment of, of a character by the name of Joe Walsh, uh, who I was up against last night, who was one of those who um, used to be a Trump supporter and apparently isn't anymore. Uh, he said, of course, well, you know, uh, if somebody robs a bank, you charge them even if they're not successful. To which I said, well, yeah, but you don't wait two and a half years to do it, do you? Not only that, you don't wait two and a half years and then make a statement from the podium where you don't take questions. This is special prosecutor. Mm. It's where you say, and we've got to have a speedy trial. Why? Yeah. Why? It's because it's election season, because you want to have him mm. in an orange jumpsuit, because yeah. he's 
leader of the opposition. You wait two and a half years, but now you're in a hurry. The whole thing stinks to high heaven, Mike. Yes, it really does. Let's have a look at Mr. Walsh. Uh, you know him better than I do. I'd never met him before, but uh, I suggested last night uh, when I was on uh, Piers Morgan Uncensored that he might be suffering slightly from being a bit holier than thou. For the first time in American history, a sitting American president didn't have the balls to accept as an election loss. He didn't have the balls or the decency so why does that bother you so much? to accept the will of the people. Well You're telling me I'm holier than thou? You are. This guy tried to end our damn democracy. Well, he didn't, though, did he? Yeah, he didn't do it. Me off. Why don't and you move on and just get over it, Joe? Get over it. Get over it. The man is going to be the Republican Party nominee, and he has a yeah. shot. And, and you're helping him. And, and you're helping him. But you're Don't helping him, you Joe. You're helping him back to the White House. You're helping him back to the White House with your holier-than-thou attitude. It's ridiculous. In American history, who else has done this? Let's, Nobody else has done it to anybody else either, because Trump is your... Is, is, do you think about Trump when you go to sleep at night? Do you have nightmares about him? You know, move on, man. Let's bring in, let's bring in Dr. Dr. Jan. Answer the question. What other president in American history refused to participate in the peaceful transfer of power. Tell me. Well, well, well. Um, I preferred him when he was in the Eagles, as I said last night, um, <laughs> Seb. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, you, you quite rightly pointed out uh, last night in a tweet that, you know, this is the original patient zero uh, in Trump derangement syndrome. I think you found him. I think you found him. And I love the idea that you're such a, you think on your feet when you use one phrase, holier than thou, and it triggers this lunatic. Yeah. Just you again and again and again, because this is what the left has become. Joe Walsh is a perfect example, because they have to shout, they're out of control, yeah. and then they lie, and they think, if I repeat it and say it louder, it's the truth. It's like Basil Fawlty talking yeah. to the Germans, right? right? Repeat it and say it louder, and then it'll, they'll understand. What do you mean? He, 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 he refused to have a transition of power peacefully. Yeah. Who's in the White House right now, Mike? Is it, is it my boss? Yeah. Is it former boss President Trump, or did he, I saw it sadly, I was at Andrews Air Force Base, when he got on Air Force One on the last day on the inauguration yeah. at, on January 20th and flew back to Florida. So these people are demented. Yeah. That's really dangerous because that's how they get the justification for what they're doing for, to him, to anybody who works for him. Can I just say one thing about the real victims? I, I wrote a piece last night about this. President... Pre Forget President Trump for a second. He'll be fine. He's a force of nature. He's made of titanium. He will overcome. But the the real victims are people like Carlos de Oliveira. He's the head of maintenance for Mar-a-Lago. Mm. He was just indicted as a, as a co-conspirator on the documents case. This is a guy who works with his hands, working class minority. Likewise, the president's butler, Walter Nauta, a Navy veteran, likewise charged. The left tells us for decades, we care about the working class. We care about the oppressed. We care about minorities. They got, don't give a flying fig. And if you are associated with the president, they will destroy you because yes. you're insane. And there was a former Trump aide whose name I can't remember from last night who also said that many, many people have been lawyered to death. You know, yes. People who uh, have had incredibly big uh, bills to pay, hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars for some of them, had their families ruined, had to sell their homes because they've been the victims of this what was called lawfare uh, by the Democrats who will not leave them alone. And if they can't stop them from being elected, they will ruin them financially. No, absolutely. My, my friend, the former mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani, is one of them. Yeah. The president 
Bernie's uh, um, Joe DiGenova, Victoria Tansing, a half a million dollars in legal fees to defend themselves. And then think of this, the maintenance chief for Mar-a-Lago, the guy who fixes the boilers, he was in Miami this week being arraigned and he had to put a hundred thousand dollars cash on the desk of the booking sergeant to be allowed to walk out as a bail imagine if president trump didn't have carlos's back mm. where we'd be this is what they have become this is not your daddy's democrat party it's not your granddaddy's democrat party these are authoritarians and they are out of control and two things i suppose on the timing yes they waited two and a half years because they wanted to wait until Donald Trump was running again uh, for the 2024 White House. But also, uh, by coincidence, Hunter Biden's name's been in the press quite a bit lately. There's been a little investigation going on with him. Forget about his visit to the White House where he left some of his cocaine behind uh, when he was there. Uh, but what about what's going on in the Biden case? Yeah, every single one of these indictments, uh, you can, again, you can look up the chronology, occurs within 24 hours or something very bad being released concerning the current administration and the Biden. This indictment, which we've been waiting, what, two and a half years, comes literally hours after the president's son's business partner, Hunter Biden's business partner, testified behind closed doors in Congress. And what did he say? Biden's been telling us for three years, I never discussed my son's business dealings with him ever. I didn't know what he was doing with those Ukrainian gas companies, with the government of China. Then his business partner, a slimy individual, said, uh, no, I was in the room when we had dinner with the then vice president and his son's business partners. I was in the room when Hunter Biden put his daddy on speakerphone and say, hey, talk to my Kazakh business partners wink wink so we know the house of cards is collapsing about the separation of pay to play from hunter biden and the then vice president and as a result every time the heat increases on the current president they have to use the department of justice to attack the leader of the opposition it is so transparent but let me let me quote what the president uh tweeted out or put on truth social yesterday he's still got a sense of humor he said i need just one more indictment to ensure my election because every time they indict him his popularity explodes indeed Mike. it absolutely does i mean what would you say to those though i mean i think he's got guaranteed now the republican nomination and there's any doubt about that in anybody's mind regardless of what happens on august the 28th but in the end has he got enough of the rest of the country uh the other problem of course for biden is he might not make it to the next election he might become so incapacitated that he can't stand and what do the democrats do then well that's the real catch-22 because they've got the cackler they've got i love ben diagrams kamala harris you know stepping into his shoes she's even less popular than biden is so do they primary her as an incumbent mm. They do. We know who's waiting in the wings. It's the disastrous governor of California, Gavin, Mr. Teeth, Mr. Hair. So yeah. I know have him slotted into the position. When it comes to the general election, look, I, I get this every day. I get callers on the radio show. I get people DMing me on social media. There are people who said, I wasn't going to vote for Trump or I'm an independent and I was in the middle. And I I've had it. This is it. I mean, I'm supporting him to the hilt. When Joe Rogan, let's be clear, Joe Rogan, hated Donald Trump. He actually, you know, was voting for Bernie Sanders. He's not a conservative. He's at best a libertarian. He has the biggest podcast on the planet. Joe Rogan said yesterday, 
Yeah, you know, those elections, yeah, they were dodgy. There was massive election fraud. If Joe Rogan is being red-pilled, I tell you, millions of people are going to jump on mm. the Trump Trump train, and it's not just the nomination that's going to be a lock-in, it's going to be the general. But, you know, it's up to all good patriots and conservatives to get engaged. It's just like Brexit. you got to have your voice yeah. be heard. And isn't it funny, of course, just to bring it back to this uh, nation for a moment before I let you go, all the people who are claiming that Donald Trump's a criminal in this country, they're all so sure of it because he interfered with the electoral process. These are all the same people who tried to interfere with the electoral process of the Brexit referendum in 2016 and tried to go through the courts to sack Boris Johnson, to get yeah. uh, the government thrown out, uh, tried to even occupy Parliament at one point uh, on the basis that, you know, they didn't like the result. Hello, you know, pot's kettle. Yeah, you know me, you know, I, I was born in, in Blighty, and uh, for me, this is one of the saddest things of recent years, that the, the nation I was born in just has a quote-unquote elite, including not just the House of Lords, but the House of Commons, billionaire lawyers who think, screw the British people, we, we don't care what yeah. they vote for, it doesn't matter, and pe I, I, that today, today, they're still talking about undoing it. In the land of Churchill, the Magna Carta, are you kidding me? That tells you why Johnson is popular, why Trump, why Brexit, why Modi, because the people have had enough with these self-anointed elitist, um, I, I won't use a rude word, we'll just say, <laughs> quite unquote, like. Exactly right. Listen, great to see you again, Sebastian. Good to talk to you. America First is the name of the show. America First is the name of the podcast. Uh, Seb sorry, Sebastian, you've got one more thing to say. No, just nice job with uh, with Joe Walsh. That was really quite epic. Yes, as people say, you know, he's had a rocky mountain way. He didn't have it more rocky than he had it last night. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Sebastian Gork. And Donald Trump, of course, will still be in the news long after um, uh, Mr. Br uh, Mr. Uh, Joe Brown or Joe Walsh or Joe, whatever his name is, Screeching Joe, as he became known, uh, has disappeared off into the ether. Coming up next, though, uh, Ian Collins will be here to tell us what's going on on his show. We'll take some calls. This is Talk TV. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.